Welcome to Doe, a podcast where we discuss Doe cases from around the world. I'm Allie. And I'm Kat. And this is a bit of a break from our usual format. We were contacted by Christy Lee Napurano, the author of The Untold Story of Princess Doe, which is a fictional account of the real-life case of Princess Doe. Uh, So Christy has a special interest in this case. And during a nationwide book signing tour, she partnered up with Detective Steven Spears, who was the lead detective on the case of Princess Doe for over a decade to bring attention to the case. And so she emailed us. And we were very excited because... Princess Doe has been in our spreadsheet basically from the beginning. Yeah, that was definitely one of the first because I always thought the name was intriguing. I was talking to my mom about what we were going to do today, which is the interview with Christy and Steve. And I was telling her about the case and she actually said, oh, yeah, I know that one. What? And I was like, what? And she was like, where do you think you get it? And you're like, I see. I get it from my Oma. Oh, yeah, you said that she's super into true crime. Yeah, I finally figured it out because I'm like, it seems to have skipped my parents. Although my really? mother, my mother does listen to our podcast every every time. Hi. Hi, Kathy. Hi, mom. So yeah, as Ali said, we invited both Christy and Detective Spears to be on our podcast and they agreed. So we're going to give some background on the case, just a quick rundown as we usually do, except this time we both did the research on this one thing and we take turns and then we're going to interview them. We're making like ta-da gestures We are both Vanna White currently. <laughs> yes, we are. So on to the case of Princess Doe. On the morning of July 15th, 1982, near State Highway 94 in Blairstown, New Jersey, the body of a young woman was found in Cedar Ridge Cemetery by a grave digger named George Keese. The woman was on her back at the top of a steep bank leading down to a creek at the back of the cemetery in a wooded area. She would become known as Princess Doe. Princess Doe had died from blunt force trauma to the head and her face had been bludgeoned beyond recognition. She was white, approximately 5'2", and 100 to 110 pounds with shoulder-length brown hair and unknown eye color. Her age was estimated as young as 14 to as old as 20, so she would have probably been born between 1962 and 1968. The cemetery where she was found is the largest cemetery in the area, and it was pretty full in 1982 when Princess Doe was found. The website princessdoe.org has a maps page where you can see a satellite view of the cemetery and the tractor supply store and AMP strip mall plaza across the street, and they show where Princess Doe was found in the cemetery. Her body was found wearing a red v-neck t-shirt with dark blue piping along the hems, a long red checked peasant skirt with a wide white or beige border containing illustrated peacocks in red and blue was found on top of her legs. These clothing items are potentially from a store in Long Island, New York that is no longer in business and the shirt and skirt were made in the Midwestern states, but no one's sure of the brand or how they figured out where this clothing came from yeah i I couldn't figure out where could i like they just tracked it down and i think i saw them mention like they found other people who had shopped at the store it was something very random i'm like okay and long island does keep popping up in this case so so also definitely look at pictures of her outfit it's really hard to describe the skirt it is it's pretty intricate and it to me it looks like very one of not one of a kind but like it's out of the ordinary Yeah. yeah it's unique that's a good word it's a really cute skirt. It is a cute skirt. I love that skirt. I know. No other clothing or footwear was found, and it could not be determined if she had been sexually assaulted due to the state of decomposition. 
It's currently believed that she died less than a week before her discovery, but the hot, humid weather at the time made it difficult to determine. And I've also seen, I don't know if this is the most recent in the case, but I've seen the phrase like one to three weeks a lot yeah, in this case. Yeah, that's the older one. So I was reading, was it on NECMAC? or Doe Network. I don't remember which one, um, but they said like most recently it was within a week because they were think they were giving it like a pretty wide... A wide berth. Yes, because the hot, humid weather made it really hard to tell. Oof. I know. Yeah. And the bludgeoning... Oh my God. ...would have attracted oh, more I didn't predators th- or flies. Like fly activity would have increased. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That's brutal. Princess Doe's ears were both pierced, with a double piercing in the left. I did see one source that said she had earrings in that one, but I didn't see that anywhere else, so I don't think she had any other jewelry. Uh, She was wearing an ornate 14-karat gold cross on a white beaded chain. The fingernails on her right hand were painted red, and she had on blue eyeshadow. So her left hand didn't have any nail polish, and I'm just wondering about the blue eyeshadow because if her face was bludgeoned beyond recognition, I'm just wondering if they could still see eyeshadow or... Oh my god. Yeah, that part I was like... I didn't, I also did not think of that, but that's a very good point. Um, So there was no evidence of Princess Doe ever being pregnant, and the toxicology report was inconclusive, so it is possible that she had alcohol in her system, but they can't really say either way. Um, No traces of drugs were found, but again, the toxicology report was inconclusive. The county prosecutor, uh, Howard McGinn, said in 1985 that there were too many decompositional changes that had occurred in the blood to really get a true reading. Um, And Blairsville Township Police Lieutenant Eric Kranz said that her blood had actually fermented, so that might make it hard to gauge her blood alcohol levels because that's how alcohol is made. We had one lab in my forensic IDENT class where I think it was like four jars and we had to determine if it was blood or not. And one jar was blood, but it was like rotten blood. And it was the grossest thing ever. The other things were like jam and like pink hair gel and stuff. I think one had ketchup and then just one of rotten blood. I'm like, why do you do this to us? (laughs) Why? What did we ever do to you? Uh, Lieutenant Kranz was the person who named her Princess Doe, and he also tried to differentiate her from the other Doe's at the time by getting a mannequin and dressing it in Princess Doe's clothes, which garnered national media attention for the case. Which totally makes sense as like a like a way to get people's attention because it's like more real. It's true. Like it's something more tangible than just a picture. That's the word. Tangible. Her upper medial incisors were slightly darker than the rest of her teeth, and there was crowding in her lower front teeth. So that means that she didn't, probably didn't have braces. And the dark front teeth remind me, um, my little cousin had, I think it was just one tooth was almost completely black. Because when he was like three, he could not stop running into walls. Oh my god. It was just constant. And he ran into so many walls that he killed his tooth. That's talent. I was just like, what is wrong with this kid? I, I was worried about him. <laughs> yeah, now he's too. like in computer science or something. I thought and... you were going to say he was a hockey player now. <laughs> <laughs> I do not come from an athletic family. Anyway, so teeth. anyway, teeth. Your favorite thing. My favorite thing. I'm so happy that Caitlin gave me this paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, her teeth were in good condition with some fillings. Oh, I just wanted to mention, I have some weird staining on my teeth from antibiotics. Could oh, yeah. antibiotics have caused any sort of tooth? 
changes for her? I don't know. Because I was, I just would assume that the antibiotics were like way more back then. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever heard about tooth darkening, but it's possible. Because I know it, Um, I think it puts lines in. or Yeah. It does something because it's, it's well, really common in 90s kids. Yeah. Like I had so many ear infections. Same. And they just like, were just like, here, take antibiotics. It'll go was away. It, was it like the banana or strawberry flavor? It was one? absolutely the banana flavor. So, her teeth were in good condition with some fillings. She still had her tonsils, and it looks like she still had her wisdom teeth as well. Princessdoe.org has a page uh, where they show part of her dental records. Oh, okay. And no unique marks or scars were found. Princess Doe did have inverted nipples. That was one sort of defining feature. Yeah, that came up, on I think that was in, like, every report. They're just like, this is a thing, which, Yeah. I don't know how common they are. Um, She still had her appendix, and no evidence of fractures were found. Uh, It was impossible to tell if she had any identifying scars or moles, etc. on her face, because not only uh, was there the horrific beating, but she was also lying with her head lower than her legs in extremely humid weather. So I guess everything just kind of... I think, like, all the blood would have gone that way. And then liver mortis would have set in because everything would have been like red. And then with all the blood there, when there's decomp, I think it may have been more rapid. It's, everything's bad. Oh. In June 1983, she was the first unidentified case to be entered into the National Crime Information Center or NCIC computer database. Princess Doe was exhumed in September 1999 so that authorities could take samples for DNA testing from her femur. New Jersey State Police thought that Princess Doe may have been Diane Dye, who was a runaway from California. And they thought this for years, even though the dental records didn't match. Uh, Diane still had some of her baby teeth in her last teeth x-rays, which did not fit with Princess Doe's dental work. But the last sighting of Diane in California in 1981 fit with Princess Doe's timeline. And she was last seen, I guess, on the west end of I-80. And she was found fairly close to the east end of i-80 so that's also kind of like a coincidence that kind of would make it a little more plausible yeah so a reason why they thought yeah and also she does bear a resemblance to the princess doe reconstructions or facial estimations at the time so new jersey police went to california and conducted investigations and interviews but they didn't find a conclusion to the case diane was ruled out by dna in 2003 Fingerprints, dental records, DNA, and hair and teeth are all on file, and Princess Doe is in the CODIS system. Isotope testing was done on Princess Doe's hair and teeth, and the results showed that Princess Doe was from the U.S., potentially from Arizona. She had been in the Midwestern or Northeastern U.S. for a minimum of 7 to 10 months. Police currently think Princess Doe spent time in Long Island, and that goes back to that store as well. Yes. That makes sense. So Princess Doe was buried in Cedar Ridge Cemetery, the same cemetery where she was discovered thanks to the local residents and businesses in Blairsville, New Jersey. It sounds like it's a case that we've seen before where the locals kind of take her in and... Yeah. Yeah. And make her one of their own. Yeah. Especially if she was 14. It's rough. Because when you just kind of look at the number 14, it's like, okay, not like, eh, whatever, teenager. But then you really think about it. It's like, oh, when we were 14, it's like middle school. Yeah. Or like just out of middle school. Like that really tender age of being in that transitional phase of, I'm a child. No, I'm not. I'm going to high school now. It's like the weirdest thing. You suddenly think you're an adult, but then you're like super not. Still a child. (sighs) I'm glad to be out of that phase. 
same sometimes i'm like oh i miss those days and i remember those no, days i'm like oh never mind um yeah so that is this case and from here we will go on to our interview with christy naparano and detective steve spears okay so thanks so much for uh talking to us we really appreciate it thank you thanks for having us uh so we just wanted to start maybe uh if you want to introduce yourselves and tell us your history about uh, with the Princess Doe case. Go ahead, Christy. You, you, you go first. <laughs> you go first. Okay. Uh, my name is Christy Lee Napurano, and I am the author of The Untold Story of Princess Doe. It is a fiction based on the true story <clears throat> uh, novel uh, about Princess Doe, the actual Princess Doe, but as I said, my book is fiction. I grew up in Blairstown where Princess Doe's um, body was discovered in 1982. And this case always really fascinated me just hearing about it growing up as a teenager and a young adult. And I always wanted to do something to help her, to help find her identity. It just never sat well with me that um, her identity was never discovered. And so um, after many years of hearing about this and wondering what I could do, uh, when I was in my late twenties, I started writing a book that was actually never intended to be published, but it was more just something cathartic for me that I, I felt that I could do. And one thing led to another and it ended up uh, getting published and bringing some attention, more attention to the Princess Doe case 30 years later. So, um, that's kind of my background, uh, with, Princess Doe in a nutshell. Steve? Yes. Uh, Steven Spears. I uh, am a retired lieutenant from the Warren County Prosecutor's Office. I uh, was assigned this case in 1998. Uh, began doing some work at, right from the onset when it was assigned to me, uh, more specifically trying to um, extract some DNA and get identification uh, of Princess Doe's true identity. Um, as we're here now, we know that that has not happened yet, but I spent all of those years from 1998 up until I retired, um, in 2012, um, working on this case, trying to do that very thing, trying to give uh, Princess Doe her true identity, give her a name. And since leaving the prosecutor's office and now being retired, um, I am a consultant and employed by the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, uh, and the case, um, has remained somewhat um, assigned to me through the National Center. Um, and we're there to try to assist law enforcement agencies with other cases, of course, missing and unidentified uh, missing children. But um, I'm hoping that, you know, I, I was hoping that I could continue the work with Princess Doe, um, but we have to be invited in and we have to be asked to provide that assistance. Mm -hmm. And uh, currently we, we haven't had that relationship with the prosecutor's office, who is the lead agency in this case right now. And it's still an active case? It's still an active case, yes. Um, it has remained active right from the onset in 1982. Uh, there's been a number of investigators who have been involved uh, working on this case. Uh, I was obviously, as I mentioned, signed the case in 98 and, and remained with me until I retired in 2012. And then after I retired, the case was assigned to another uh, detective within that office. Um, so, yeah, it's still an active case. It's still an open case. And uh, the reason Christy and I 
um, you know, are out there trying to get this information out is because we believe that if we get the information out to the public, um, we can hopefully have someone out there who has some information to come forward and help us in identifying. And so speaking of uh, like getting her known and people recognizing her, when we were researching this case, uh, we saw that there was a sighting of a woman dressed uh, or that looked like how Princess Doe was found uh, by a mother and her child shopping at the A&P supermarket. Yeah, that was there was there was many tips and leads that came in uh, in the initial phases of this investigation. Again, I didn't take the investigation until 1998. And of course, uh, Lieutenant Eric Krantz was the initial investigator at the time when her body was found in 1982. So he did a tremendous amount of work in the beginning of this case, um, following tips and leads. And one of those that you have mentioned was that uh, a woman came forward and said that she had thought she had seen a female um, in the AMP in Blairstown uh, who was wearing a dress that was similar to the dress found uh, when Princess Doe's body was found. Um, there was no information beyond that that would substantiate that in fact the same person she saw was in fact Princess Doe. It's not to say that we don't we don't we just don't know. There was no information that would uh, conclusively say that that she saw Princess Doe. Uh, did she come forward like within say like within a short amount of time when she was found, or was no? This she years came later? forward she within came... the first couple days or weeks of the investigation. So that information was there. An investigation or a report was taken. Um, you know, she was questioned and she believed that she had seen a, a female who would have matched the description of Princess Doe at the time, um, wearing what, what appeared to be the same type of dress that uh, was found with Princess Doe's body. OK, so could it could be. be reliable, but Correct. not necessarily giving any information Correct. that would help with her identity. So our next question uh, is about Donna Kinlaw, who said that her husband was involved in Princess Doe's murder. Um, and Donna said that he picked up women and held them in a sex trafficking ring in Long Island. So we were just wondering um, if this seems to be reliable or uh, if you guys think that Donna and Arthur were involved in Princess Doe's well, murder. Donna and Arthur still remain, in my opinion, remain on the list of suspects. Um, you know, they provided information uh, that clearly was, you know, something that needed to be looked at and examined very closely. Um, I personally interviewed both of them. Um, I interviewed Donna, who provided some information. Uh, and then I went and obviously interviewed Arthur. Um to see if we could substantiate what they were saying. And neither one of them had any contact with each other. They were both, well, actually Arthur remains incarcerated. So at the time I interviewed him, he was incarcerated and Donna had, had been released, but had been incarcerated uh, for a, another crime that the two of them were involved in. Um, so they had not had any contact. So I was hoping that, uh, you know, that by interviewing both of them, we could substantiate the information they were providing. Unfortunately, um, a lot of the information that they provided was information that was available to the public uh, because there had been. So if you if you follow where I'm going with this is that we, we really couldn't get them to tell us something that would clearly state or say to us that there's no way anyone else could have known this information unless they were absolutely there at the time of the crime or at the crime scene. And unfortunately, they weren't able to provide any of that information. Again, it's not to say that they didn't have some involvement because to this day we just don't know. Um, but they couldn't provide a name. Uh, the information that they provided pertaining to how they came across 
the female uh, that they referred to as Princess Doe, um, it, the timeline wasn't didn't quite fit. So um, we still, you know, have them on that list of suspects. But until one of them comes forward, if they are involved and provides factual information that we could substantiate that there's no way they would have known it unless they were there, um, then there's not much we can do with that information at this point. They were from Long Island, right? I was mm-hmm. reading about some of the isotopes um, and that it looks like uh, she may have been from Arizona, but spent time in Long Island. I was wondering if that's where the case sort of still stands or if anything. No, that's, uh, that was some information that had come forward for uh, the isotope testing. That was a new uh, forensic technology that was being used to try and determine locations of where unidentified human remains, you know, where, that, where those individuals may have originated from. So using that science, um, taking her hair samples from Princess Doe, they, with a reasonable amount of, of scientific certainty, were able to determine that based on those segments of hair, that she may have been in the Midwest at some point in time in her life prior to obviously being found uh, murdered in, in Blairstown. And from the Midwest area, it appeared that she may have then gone into the Long Island area or somewhere in, in the Northeast, which would be the metropolitan area, um, several months prior to her body being found. So th- what everyone needs to know about the isotope testing is that they take you know, water samples from different segments geographically throughout the United States. Some of the same uh, elements that are found in the water, let's say in the Midwest, may be found somewhere in the Northeast or may be found in the Northwest. So even though it's 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 interesting scientific way of trying to determine where people originated from, it, it's not 100%. But it's something to work with. So when they provided the information that potentially she was from Arizona, obviously we saturate that area um, looking for anybody who may have been missing around the time that Prince Doe was found, see if we could match. Um, To this day, I know I didn't find anyone that would have matched at that time. And I don't think anyone has done that ever since then, since my retirement. Um, But it's something to work with. And you can kind of look at the major highways between that area in the Midwest to Long Island to the to our area in New Jersey and you can put out flyers and you can put out information uh, relating to uh, the composites that we have in hopes that somebody may remember something or see you know see something that you know they may be able to provide us with some information the point is is that she definitely wasn't from the Blairstown area that was established she was not from the area so we have to assume that she traveled from one location to another how we got how she got there we just don't know so I just had a question about the Kinlaws because I just read briefly about them. Um, so are they known murderers? Did they have other victims? <clears throat> Arthur Kinlaw is a convicted murderer. Um, there, he, he is doing three life sentences. One of the murders is not in any way, shape, or form um, similar to Princess Doe's murder. Um, there's two others where... Uh, it was involved. The vic- one victim is still unknown um, of one of the vic- one of the convictions that he had. The body was found. He was connected to it, um, but the ident- identification of that particular victim is unknown. And then there was another one where the identification was determined. Both of those victims, if if I remember correctly, were involved in prostitution. Those were the ones that were he was pimping and you know working as a pimp and prostituting these girls. 
Now, the manner and method of, de- of, of death was not the same either, and the manner in which they were found. One, I believe, was dumped in, in the Hudson River. Another one was, you know, I don't even re- recall where the other one was found. But it doesn't mean that, again, that he's not connected with Princess Doe a murder, but we just don't have enough evidence to tie him into it. And that's the key point. If, you can, if we can get Princess Doe identified, and then we can go back and do the victimology, we can find out. Well, obviously, once we know her identity, we can track back where was she at these times in 82, you know, before her body was found. Um, and if we can connect the dots and put Arthur Kinlaw and Donna Kinlaw in the same place or the same proximity, well, then now we have something we can work with. Um, but up until now, we, we can't do that. The key thing is getting Princess Doe identified. Once that happens, I think we're going to find a lot of information that we can use to move forward on trying to hold the person or person responsible for her death. And which is why it's so important to get her identified quickly before any perpetrator, if they haven't already died, die. Correct. Correct. Yes. And there are other, there's other suspects, um, you know, that are on on a list as well. There's a, you know, there's a long list and a short list. Um, And some of those suspects, you know, I don't know where they are now because I don't have access to that information. Uh, I'm assuming that the current investigators are monitoring where these people are and what they're doing. Um, I don't know if they've been questioned or again, or, you know, I don't know if they're doing anything with that, but they're getting up there in age. And you're absolutely correct. Some of them may no longer be with us um, in a couple of years. So it's more important. It's very important to get this done as quickly as possible, get her identified and then start either eliminating suspects or maybe develop other suspects. Um, But the key thing is getting her identified. So is it you think um, it was most likely a runaway situation or? That's a that's a great question. And it's one that we can't answer 100%. She could have been a runaway, a throwaway. There's a, diff- a number of different terms that were used at the time. Uh, you know, we don't know what type of uh, home she came from, where, you know, obviously where she originated from. There could have been a lot of circumstances that caused her not to be with you know, her, her family. We do know that she obviously had a family. I mean, she was well taken care of. She had dental work. You know, there was no indication from the autopsies and all this, all the scientific testing that was done on her remains that she was involved in any kind of intravenous drug use. There was no uh, substance found in her system, et cetera. So, yeah, she could have been a runaway. She could have been a throwaway. Someone could have taken her in um, with the intent of trafficking her. That's a very good possibility as well. Um, we just don't know. And I have a question for Christy, because you're from the area. I was wondering, we know that the some businesses um, in the area sort of put money together to get her a plot in the cemetery where she was found. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, um, it, like, is she still talked about in the area? Is she still on people's minds? Yes, uh, actually, very much so. Uh Steve and I work with the Blairstown Museum, um, and we have, uh, through them, we do a presentation every couple of months, maybe two or three a year, Um, and we usually do them in Blairstown or the surrounding area, and um, we've been doing this for probably about two years now. We with the Blairstown Museum. And every time there is uh, a presentation, it creates quite a bit of buzz in the town. And um, so it definitely is still something that is talked about. And it's also uh, brought up a lot. uh, And the anniversary every year um, in July 15th, when she was found, there's always usually a newspaper article um, and, and stuff like that. So it definitely still is very much on people's minds, I believe. And did you find that 
with your book tour, there was an increase in tips or uh, new leads? Um, I think so, Steve. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think there were, you know, when we when the book came out and we, Steve and I, uh, we were on CNN with Randy Kay and there was an America's Most Wanted episode. And I think there were a couple of tips that, that came in around that time. I don't think, unfortunately, they, they led anywhere, but I think there were tips. Yeah. Uh, I mean, clearly the fact that Christy had written this book um, gave me an opportunity to get more information about the case out there. Um, that was kind of the catalyst to get CNN wanting to do a story, uh, getting America's Most Wanted to do the story. Um, so that was very helpful. And as a result of that, um, you know, Chrissy and I working together, her with, you know, obviously writing the book, telling a story, even though it's fictional, um, and then me obviously providing the factual information, it, it was a, a good combination. It was a good partnership. Uh, so any chance we got, again, CNN, America's Most Wanted, we went out there and provided that information. So I know because of that, when Christy and I were on CNN, um, I immediately received tips just based on the fact that we were, you know, obviously on CNN live. Uh, and within a couple of days, I was getting information about people um, possibly seeing the, that dress being sold or being worn or purchased the dress similar to the one that Princess Doe was found, but was found with Princess Doe in the Long Island area. Um, you know, tips like that. And then, of course, that information about the kinlaws being out there, I received more information, you know, potentially that they were involved in other things um, relating to prostitution, et cetera. Um, so there was constantly information coming in. But to answer your question specifically, the mere fact that Christy wrote the book, contacted me, and that we were able to work together to get this information out to the public clearly provided uh, tips for us. Um, they were all followed as, as far as we could take them. Nothing um, developed into anything that we could see that at this point has helped us to identify her, unfortunately. Okay, but at least more attention is being brought in. Plus, even a, fiction, a fictionalized version could still get people kind of thinking about different situations where they might have encountered her. And so even if it's not based on exactly correct what happened. Yeah. And that was kind of, that was right. kind of, you know, when I when I realized that the book was going to get published, that was kind of what I wanted to use the book as. I wanted it to be used as a tool to get people talking, get people thinking. You know, I that's my hope is that I can use the book and any you know um, uh, any anyone that wants to help me spread the word to finally, like Steve said earlier, I'm hoping that we can finally reach the person or persons that may have known her in her while she was alive. I mean, you know, she was a teenage girl. She she had to have friends, cousins, fa some kind of family. She had to, I'm sure she went, well, I'm not sure, but like maybe she went to school. Did she have a teacher? Did she have a doctor? There's got to be someone, someone somewhere who knows who she is. And I am just, I'm just determined not to stop until, until we find that person or persons. And speaking on that, have has any like forensic uh, genealogy been done with her DNA? Um, as of right now, no. Uh, from from what I have been told, that has not happened. Now, I mean, the whole reason why, and we we, I know I can speak for Christy as well. With doing the podcast and getting information out there, um, we want the, the clear thing here is we we know this case is solvable. We know that this case is solvable. 
And the only way we're going to get information out there to people is to do things like this, like a podcast and and whatever else we have to do on social media, um, anything that we can do. When it comes to the genealogy work, we know that the the DNA Doe Network or DNA Doe Doe Project um, has contacted uh, law enforcement agencies, specifically the Warren County Prosecutor's Office, and suggesting to them that you know this is a, this is something that, that should be done. Um, I know when I, just at the time I retired, um, we had some a panel of experts review this case at the National Center, and those panels of experts said the same thing too. Among other things, they said you know start working on the, the genealogy DNA. So why that hasn't happened, I don't know. I can't speak for the prosecutor's office. I don't work for them. I don't represent them. Um, but to me, that is the next the next step. I mean, it's out there. It's it's been proven to be useful in identifying missing people. It's been useful in identifying human remains. It's been useful in identifying suspects and and you know people who are involved in crimes. So why we wouldn't do it with this case, I just don't know. So that's not a question I can answer because I don't know why it hasn't been done. But in my opinion, it should be done because I think clearly this case is solvable only if we can identify Princess Doe first. We have to get her identity. That's the number one thing that has to happen. Yeah, I, um, uh, you know, just to back what Steve says, I, I, I don't know why that hasn't happened either. We have spoken to the DNA Doe Project. They have offered to help. They have offered to test Princess Doe's DNA. And um, from what I understand, um, it just hasn't happened. I, 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 from what I understand, they have been trying to get in touch with someone from the Warren County prosecutor's office to obtain the DNA for testing. And, um, that hasn't happened. So again, I don't know why that is. Steve doesn't know why that is. Um, if someone could answer the question why that is, we would, we would be, uh, we would be grateful, but we, we, we are unsure of why that's not happened yet. So hopefully, if spreading the word, maybe more pressure is put on them to actually. That's kind of, that's, I mean, that would be great. <laughs> and I, I, I just like to say this. I mean, we would like it to be a positive rather than a negative approach to oh, these agencies. Yeah, I'm not just absolutely. saying. Yeah, and we want them to understand that we're supportive of this and anything that we can do uh, or the public can do or anybody to help make this happen. Um, that would be great. I mean, we want to be able to help facilitate this and, and you know, promote this um, and do whatever needs to be done. Uh, if it's about money or bureaucracy, I'm sure there's ways around that and there's things that can be done. Um, but doing nothing is just making the case grow colder and colder and colder. Um, and I've always said the only way this case is going to move forward is to identify Princess Doe. And from what I've seen from the genealogy work that's been done, that's clearly doable with the genealogy work without a doubt especially we both do some genealogy for our own families and once we start working on a tree we're there for hours so anyone who's working on genealogy kind of gets a little obsessive with it mm-hmm. so they would absolutely be able to find her yeah my understanding is all they need is some type of uh, reference sample you know there's plenty of evidence in my opinion from what i remember from the case there's evidence that's available that they can use to extract whatever strands of DNA they need for those particular databases. I mean, her, she has a D, Princess Doe's DNA is in the national database, the POTUS database. That's a different type of DNA extraction, um, and they're looking at different segments. I know with genealogy, they select a specific segment of DNA. 
all they got to do is provide that sample to one of these public databases, uh, you know, one of these agencies that does it um, and hope for the best. And then that's that the genealogy experts work that, you know, that tree and try to find someone how distant relevant. It doesn't matter how distant distant the relevant uh, relative is. We just need to get somebody who potentially may be connected to her as a family member, no matter how far out it is. I think that's where we need to go. Yeah. And that's something that struck me in researching this case. There's just, it sounds like there's so much information to go on in terms of like fingerprints and DNA and teeth and hair. So when I was reading this case, it just, it really rang as a solvable case to me, that there's all of this information about her. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, you know, there's been a number of composites and there's uh, I've done plenty of DNA work and, and get all those profiles and put all that information out there. We had the 3D uh, scan that was done and made the three dimensional bust uh, composite um, just before I retired. All those things are out there. Um, I think I sent that to you, didn't I? The 3D composite? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you sent that to me. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw the recent NECMAC. I think I think it was NECMAC, the facial approximation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, so there's been a lot done and a lot of information is out there. And I think that's why we keep scratching our heads saying, how is it that no one has any, that, she, that she's not recognized by someone? I mean, there's enough information out there that you would think that someone would come forward saying, you know, I think that may be someone I knew or a relative. Um, but no one's come forward. And that's you know, the baffling part about all this. There's been a lot of information put out there, but it, 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 but we're not stopping. We're just going to continue to do it because sooner or later, somewhere along the line, somebody's going to say something. And that's our hope that somebody will say something. And we've seen that a lot where there's just a ton of information and no one's coming forward. And often it's the family hasn't reported the person missing. That's absolutely correct. And that's happened a lot. Yes. So I'm wondering if this might be, especially 80s, if she was in her teens, kind of, they may have gone, okay, she's just kind of being a free spirit mm-hmm. and going on, she'll come back. Right. And Yeah, you're right. That's not uncommon for, and those cases have happened like that. Well, we always thought she was out there somewhere or he was out there somewhere. You know, she was a yeah, free spirit or she somehow become estranged from her family, but they think, ah, she must be okay. Yeah, but, and clearly because, there has not been a match in CODIS, which is where all the family reference samples go to do comparisons. It, I agree with you. And what you said is that she has not been reported and no family member has come forward to provide you know, a reference sample that would obviously match. So that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. She has not been reported missing, but it doesn't mean that there isn't a family member out there wondering or you know, a, a friend or, you know, so that's why we keep putting this information out her picture and, and just tell, keep telling the story because eventually somebody's got to say, wait a minute, I think I know who that is. If someone has a tip uh, about this case or sort of has some memory that's been jogged, um, is there a good place for them to send that information? Well, they can certainly contact the Warren County Prosecutor's Office. Um, I don't know. There's a website. I don't know what the number is or what number they would be using. I know when I was there, we had a hotline. Uh, where we would take anonymous tips, and it was one direct line, one number you called. Um, I know you can call the missing persons unit from the Jersey State Police as well, and all of them are public numbers. And I know uh, I've gotten a lot of information through social media. I know Christy gets a lot of information through her social media pages. So if you can speak of that, Christy, I think that's, you know, for, for your listeners here, I mean, that's one of the quickest ways to get information to either myself or to Christine, of course, any information that comes in that's a tip or a lead is directly is given directly to law enforcement. 
I'm not. Yeah, I get I do get a lot of tips and um, people emailing me. I think it's some for some reason people feel more comfortable emailing me because I'm not law enforcement. So I don't I don't know why that is, but um, they feel more comfortable sending me an email and saying like, "Hey, um, you know, I I think I have a tip, or I think Princess Doe might be related to me." I mean, I've gotten trust me, I've gotten an assortment of people over the years. Um, and I've directed all of them to either Steve or to law enforcement, like the Warren County prosecutor's office. Um, obviously there's only so much I can do, but I am happy to, if, if anyone feels more comfortable, um, contacting me, you can email me. My email is who is princess doe at gmail.com. Cause th- with these cases, there's, there seems to be so much information, but so little information at the same time. Well, I agree. There's a, there's an overwhelming amount of information in this case that's been accumulated over the years. Obviously, we're, we're getting close to 40 years. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that has not been shared and obviously cannot be shared uh, because it is an active investigation. But, um, you know, all the all the information that has been presented either by me, by Christy, um, you know, in the, in the times that we've done, you know, the CNN and, and you know, the, the graveside memorial services, you know, I, I've put out as much as I possibly can, obviously, um, to, in the hopes of getting someone to listen and hopefully come forward with some kind of information about either who she who she is what, or who may be involved. And that's where those tips and leads come in and are, are very helpful. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it can be very overwhelming. It's, it's like, uh, several stories in itself. I mean, you, you have the murder and then you have all these backstories and all the lives that have been affected by this. It, it truly has just layers and layers and layers of information, um, that you can't just talk about in 30 minutes. You know, it, it would take an extended amount of time to try and explain the, the entire process. Yeah. It's kind of one of those ones where there's so much information that you, you don't, don't even really... know where to start. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, like I was, I sort of got into a bit of a rabbit hole about the whole Diane mm-hmm. Dye uh, investigation in California. Well, yeah, that was when I took the case, the first thing I had to do was determine whether or not Diane Dye and Princess Doe were the same person because so many, that so many people believe that, that they were one and the same. Um, and through the DNA work, you know, that was done uh, like three times, you know, I did it once, did it a second time, did it a third time for a number of different reasons that um, from a logistic standpoint and each and every time until the final time when we had the full nuclear DNA um, that was done, you know, through through the National Center from a federal agency, you know, all those things that, you know, qualify what what's being done. Uh, it was clear without any question, Diane, Diane, Princess Doe are not the same person. We know that for a fact. But the sad thing is you talk to some people, you know, you may go to Blairstown, you may go out and just talk about the case and people will still to this day say, oh, that, that she's been identified. That's that girl from San Jose, California. And that's the sad thing. Yeah, it's, it's very sad because, you know, the factual information is there and it's it's 100 percent clear that it's not they're not the same person. And Diane Dye is not Princess Doe, but people to this day still believe that they are. Um, and that's you know, that's just one of the one of the backstories and the fact that. In around 84, 85, when her name was brought into this case, there were that investigation went cold at that moment because at that moment, every, there was a lot of people, including law enforcement, that was convinced that they were the same person. But they didn't have any um, conclusive evidence to say that they were, but they went with it. And then for the next 10 years, nobody did anything with the case because they all said, oh, it's Diane Dye. That was it. Sure. Once the- They had her dental records 
pretty. They did not. They had they and there was those dental records were taken to an odontologist convention in Las Vegas where there was over three hundred odontologists who all looked at it and said, "There's no way it's not the same person." Were there some similarities? Absolutely, but it was not the same person. But even with that being said, there was still it, people in the profession of law enforcement who were convinced that Diane Dye was the same uh, and Princess Doe were the same person. It's it, we know for a fact that is not true, and there's just. That's, yeah, it really muddied up the investigation. And, and, and that's just one of many things that occurred. I mean, there's there's always good and bad and things that, you know, you look back, you don't want a Monday morning quarterback. But there was things that weren't done that should have been done. And there's just a lot of stuff that really kind of created this case to uh, be even colder as time went on, obviously. I mean, there was a child prostitution ring in Sussex County. That information was was there in the late 70s, early 80s. There were people involved in that. Um, that may be connected to some people in the Blairstown area. There's all kinds of these, and, and that's you know that's public information out there. There's articles on it, um, and some of these child prostitutes who are being trafficked in the Sussex uh, County area, which is just uh, several miles from from Blairstown. Some of them were never identified. They don't even know where they are, and one of them potentially could have been Princess Doe. No one knows. So there's just a, t- a ton of information out there that needs to be looked at. Um, so. Uh, and here we are. But again, when you go back to what really needs to be done, identify Princess Doe first, then work your way back and find out where she was, where she came from, who she was connected with. And I think you're going to get a whole lot more information on how this all happened. So is there something specific just the general public can do to, other than sharing her story, like, is there, I don't know, I don't, not maybe not a petition, but some way to show their interest in getting this solved to the prosecutor's office? That's a great question. I, other than reaching out, and, you know, to the investigating agency and asking those questions, have you done, you know, the uh, the genealogy? Have you done the, you know, the the, the you know the twenty three and Me or whatever, the DNA work? Has, has why hasn't it been done? You know, can you give us an answer? Um, you know, maybe they need to be asked. And, and again, I don't want it to, it should not be confrontational. It should be supportive. No. Like, Hey, how can we help? If it's the money, maybe somebody can raise some money, um, to help pay for that. If, if it's not the money and then it's manpower or uh, who knows what, what the reasons are, but questions have to be asked. Why, why this technology is available? Why isn't it being used? That's the question that needs to be asked. I, I actually just had someone email me literally two days ago and he emailed and said, I have a question. Why has Princess Doe's uh, DNA not been run through GED Match or the DNA Doe Project? Um, is there a reason? Can you tell me? And I said, I cannot tell you the answer. And he wrote back and said, is there something that I can do um, to to help this happen? And I said, you can email the Warren County Prosecutor's Office and ask them. And I, I also made it non-confrontational. I said, I am not privy to this information. I said, you are welcome to email the Warren County Prosecutor's Office and Correct. ask them all of the questions that you are asking me because I can't answer them. Yeah, just ask the question. Okay, so if we can just encourage people to contact and just ask. And has it been run through? Has it been run through DNA? Has it been run through GED Match or, or any of the genealogy sites that, that are available to to run it through. Yeah, because there are a lot. Yeah, yes. there are. And and as I mentioned earlier, we met with a representative from the uh, the, the DNA Doe Project. That's mm-hmm. what they do. That's that's their main function. And they're and they've already made contact and they're kind of scratching their head saying, why isn't anybody, you know, taking up on taking us up on our offer? We're we're willing to do this for you. So Okay, so 
currently it's a matter of getting the Warren prosecutor's office to yeah. really just get in contact with the DNA Doe project or anyone else involved in genealogy and just say here. Yeah. What, yeah. Maybe they don't know what they need to do. I mean, maybe they need someone to kind of explain it to them and say, well, yeah, this is, this is what we offer. This is what we can do. I, I don't know. I can't speak for them again. I don't work for them. I don't raise, represent them, but I'm asking the same questions as, as a civilian now I'm retired law enforcement. I know how the system works. I know what happened, you know, I've been there, but I'm still asking, I'm asking the same questions that the general public is asking is this, this technology is available. Why isn't it being utilized? I don't know. Yeah. It could be a case that they just don't realize. Cause right. that could, at the point I was thinking about of even, um, if someone did report her missing, we had another case that we discussed on Marguerite O'Brien out of California. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she had been reported missing uh, fairly soon after she disappeared, but no one had told them to, uh, no one had told them about NamUs or DNA samples. And so there was no DNA to compare hers to until, uh, I can't remember if it was 2006. Mm -hmm something like that. And as soon as the family gave a DNA sample, she was identified very quickly. Yep. So I'm wondering if it could be something like that. Sure. Absolutely. Are there any, I don't know, main points? We uh, At the beginning, we just did a quick summary of how she was found, where she was found, what she was mm -hmm. wearing. I don't know if there's any main points you want to emphasize that you think might help. Um, I, look, all the factual information is out there. I mean, the case... Um, and all the things pertaining to, as you mentioned, how she was discovered, when she was discovered, um, all of that's out there. We have, obviously, Christy has her website. We have the uh, princessdoe.org website that Travis Riggs, who is also a Blairstown resident, who helped us and put that together. And I provided him with all factual information so your listeners can go there. There's actual crime scene photos there. There's all the information and the links to everything and anything involving this case while I was involved with it from 1998 until I retired. So that's all on that website. Um, so, you know, the point, the points I would like to make is number one, thank you, because if it wasn't for us being able to do something like this, that, you know, a podcast or, or, you know, get the information out there. I mean, I don't know what we would be doing right now. We're just trying to get the information out. So we thank you for that. And I would just like your listeners to know if they're interested in the case, take a look at it. Um, I've had a lot of people give me information and, and ask questions and, and provide information um, that I never, things I wouldn't have thought of as an investigator. I was like, oh, geez, I never thought of that. Maybe I should look into that. So any, any, we're looking for any type of information that Anyone wants to provide, whether it's a question, whether it's a statement, whether it's a suggestion, anything, just to keep this case in the public eye. That's the key thing. Um, we want to, the public to keep talking about it because sooner or later, somebody's going to say something and they're going to know something and they're going to come forward with some. Yeah, I, just to um, you know reiterate that, I think the most important thing. Um, that we can do, you know, that your listeners can do, or that we as a general public can do is to just keep sharing her story. And, um, if people do want to, you know, email the prosecutor's office and ask them why they haven't been able to, um, do the DNA, uh, yet that's great. But I still think that sharing her story is super important because if you told, if all of your listeners told one person who then told one person who then told one person, now we've got, you know, another 40 people that, um, that, that maybe we're eventually going to hit the right person who knows, who knows her and it won't, we won't even need the DNA. We'll just find someone who knew her and, or was, you know, her teacher or her dentist or something. 
and they will come forward and say, Hey, I knew, I know her. That was little, little Susie that lived down the street from me or, or something. There's gotta be somebody out there. I mean, you know, I've been saying this for years. How does someone go missing and they're not missed? I, I just, it, 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 I don't understand it. Um, so yes. Also, as Steve said, you can email me, you can email him, you can email the prosecutor's office. Princessdoe.org has a wealth of um, information. I got all the information. My website is whoisprincessdoe.com. Everything on my website is also from princessdoe.org. You can also purchase my book if you are interested on that website. Um, and so that's those are really the two I would say most um, the best sites to get the actual factual information from. And, and, as, and on top of that, obviously, the National Center's website, missingkids.org, um, all the information is there and there and there's other social media sites and internet sites that have factual information. I just caution, you know, your listeners to be careful. There's a lot of other non-factual information that's out there. Um, so be careful what they're reading and what they're looking at. Cause there's a lot of stories out there that were completely fictional um, as to how, how it relates to what happened to her. And it, you just gotta be careful. Um, but it, it, we get people talking by having, you know, sessions like this and getting the information out, so we want people to look at but you know, look at the factual information, and um, and just keep talking about it. Well, we are super happy to be able to help in this way and get the story of Princess Doe out there. And we're really excited to read your book, Christy. It sounds really good. I am going to put it in the mail for you guys this week. Thank awesome. you. We appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. Thank really. you. I'm, we're always so appreciative when anyone wants to help share. And thank you for your patience. This is our first ever interview for this podcast. So oh, we're good. super oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's the first time we've ever done this. So. Wow. Well, I'm impressed. You did well. Yes. Thank oh, you. Thank you. <laughs> Let us know if you want to do it again. We can, we can keep right on talking <laughs> about this case. Believe me. Yeah. That would be great. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It was really great talking. So hope you enjoyed our very first interview on this podcast. And thank you so much again to Christy and Steve for speaking with us about Princess Doe. And to reiterate what we talked about in the interview, uh, to help Princess Doe get her name back, uh, you can contact the Warren County Prosecutor's Office and just politely ask about the familial DNA. What's going on with that? Yeah. And also, let's all share and talk about this story. Like, share it on your Facebook, tell a friend about it. Especially if you're, I guess, in the Arizona, Long Island area, since that seems to be the main ones that she might have been. And maybe's not that's not too long ago, so there's definitely somebody out there who knows her. Absolutely. And yeah, so they listed the websites, um, which has the bulk of reliable information. That's the main thing. Go for the reliable information. Yes, don't get caught in a web sleuth hole, rabbit hole, as we both do. We have we have been known to do that. Lori, Erica, Lori, Erica, Ruff. looking at you. <laughs> And also, there were some developments in the Racine County Jane Doe case, which we haven't talked about on this podcast yet, but um, we got some messages. So thank you for thinking of us and reaching out and telling us about this case. Yeah, we will definitely cover that case in an identified portion of a future episode. 
If you want to get in contact with us, which we always love, you can email us at doughpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, all at doughpodcast. Are we anywhere else? We joked about Friendster in an episode, but we are not on Friendster. Also not on MySpace. No. Alrighty, well, we have done enough reminiscing. We are now going to drink some tea and show each other the developments in our own Ancestry.ca family trees. Yep. So thanks for listening again. Thanks. Bye. Bye.